Hello, you're listening to the Sunday Shoutings Holiday Special Podcast. I'm Paul. And I'm Maureen. Coming up on today's podcast, we're chatting with Broadway star and Tony winner, Stephanie Jayblock, and composer Andrew Lippa, and West End star, Carrie Ellis. This is a doorbell, Maureen. Who do you think it could be? <gasps> oh, I don't know. It? It's Andrew Lipper. Hi, Andrew. Happy holidays to all of you, especially to you, Maureen. Oh, Andrew, you know how we love it when you stop by. I love stopping by, especially virtually, because I don't have to wear a coat. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's, uh, and no travel time. No travel time, no coat. No, I, I am wearing my slippers. So let's, uh, you know, let's Perfect. just leave it at that. Uh, this so, is wonderful to come visit you on the holidays. I hope all is well. All is all is well at Sunday Show Tunes Tower. So, um, what do you have planned for the holidays? Uh, it's going to be wonderful. We're going well. We have birthdays and holidays in in this month. So we, nice. we we both celebrate a birthday, and we have we are an interfaith household. So we celebrate Hanukkah. We celebrate Christmas, and so there's lots going on. We're going to Chicago actually, um, and we're going to uh, have a very special meal at this one Michelin star Japanese restaurant that we that we were introduced to, and we're doing this big tasting menu, and that's like our big fun. holiday thing that we're going to do Sounds in like Chicago. Fun. So yeah, it's going to be very fun. Now we got you back on the show. Now we can actually properly talk about the little Christmas song that you wrote for, for Kristen Chenoweth. Tell us Wonderful. a little qu quickly about that. Well, well, that song came about uh, like, like many uh, single songs come about between me and Kristen, uh, where I will call her about something or she will call me about something. And in the summer of uh, 2021, she um, said she was working on this new Christmas album. And there was this idea floating around for a particular song and it wasn't quite landing for her. And she, she shared with me an idea that she had. And I said, well, what's your idea? She goes, Lippa, don't, don't judge it. Don't hate it. And I'm like, <laughs> Christy, I, I will love it. I will love it. And she's like, it, it's just, you know, on Christmas, I, I, I always got like practical things like socks and like my cousins and my brother and my, he always, they always got better things. And so I'm like, Santa, I got a bone to pick with you. And I said, got it. Give me the list. I said, send me the list of things that you got that you felt were indignities. And, and she sent me five or six things out. She got toothbrush and she got socks and she got, you know, like whatever the, you know, a gift certificate to, you know, a, a U.S. savings bond. And, um, and I thought this needs to be like, like, you know, straight, like out of the Kristen wheelhouse. And, and what we hit on actually was the whole letter writing thing, which uh, borrows from, um, uh, the Motown song, for, I can't remember, from the Phil Spector album, where uh, the, they do the whole le letter to Santa Claus, and then they sing the song. Mm -hmm. um, and I thought that would be funny if we did a letter to Santa Claus, and then the song just emerged in a couple days, and um, it got recorded so quickly. I, I wrote it, and then I rewrote it a bit uh, with in consultation with the legendary producer Jay Landers, who uh, is her producer on that record, and um, then all of a sudden she was sending me videos of the recording session that she had uh, wow. already done. And uh, it's called Santa, I've Got a Bone to Pick with You. And it's on her new CD, well, what do we call it? New album, Christmas album called Happiness is Christmas. It's her second full Christmas record. And I know she's out there promoting 
promoting it on lots of TV shows and lots of places. And um, I'm thrilled that that song was included. It's, it's like I said, it's, it's very, very Christian. And it's one of the lighthearted or the few lighthearted numbers, uh, you know, funny numbers on that recording. It's, it's a great track. And I think we'll play it now. Andrew, thank you so much for joining us. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. I don't have a bone to pick with either of you. Happy holidays. <laughs> Maureen, that's the doorbell. Who do you think it could be? Oh my gosh. I don't know. Let's see who it is. Oh my goodness. It's Carrie Ellis, Western leading lady. And she's brought us some cookies. Hi, Carrie. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. It's so lovely to see you guys. I can't believe it's been a year since I was on the show. It's unbelievable. But it's like um, your traditional yearly visit now. It is. Well, that could be. I don't mind that. That could be that could be arranged. <laughs> <laughs> the UK gets a message for the Queen and Sunday show tunes gets a visit from Kerry Ellis. This is <laughs> you know, these are good things. These are good things. <laughs> I like that. I like that. That's good. So yeah. How have you been? Good. I mean, I'm I'm glad to say I have been busy now, you know, because I think after the after the crazy year oh my gosh to actually say I'm now busy is just joyous and I, I was speaking to my lovely friend Louise Dearman this morning and she oh. was going you must be absolutely you know crazy tired already because I've been doing lots of gigs I had Pheasantry and Cardiff and Belfast you have been on a flight this week uh, what my, every night <laughs> you know what I think Yes, I am tired, but after the year we've had, I'm just so grateful and even more grateful just to be out there doing what I mm -hmm. do. And to step on those stages and to have those audiences in front of you, I, I, and I keep saying it to them, I said, I, I appreciate each and every one of you coming out to actually be here live in this room tonight because it's, it's really important. Mm. And I've missed it so much. Oh, I yeah. bet. I bet. So, okay, you also brought something else along with your plate of cookies that I am so excited to do a deep dive into. So tell us about Bumpkin to Broadway. What made you decide to write an autobiography? Well, you know what, I, initially I thought it was too soon because I mean, I'm 42 and I've, there's been a, a lot's happened in those 42 years, but I, I still thought, you know, you don't want to read an autobiography of someone when they, you want to read it when they're almost retiring, when they've written their whole story. But um, lovely um, Kelly Reynolds, uh, a writer, mm -hmm. came to me a couple of years ago and said, I think you've got a really interesting story. I'd love to help you write it one day. And I, I resisted. I said, that's really kind of you, but I'm not ready yet. You know, it's, it's mm -hmm. hard to assume. And then obviously the lockdown came about and hit and I thought you know what this is actually a really good time to even just note down all of those memories all those experiences all those special times those feelings those yeah things I've yeah. been through uh, before I forget them because with the shows it's really it's really easy to kind of pinpoint because you've got the years you've yes. got the media you've got you know all those kind of hints and thank tips. god <laughs> the concerts and the the more you know, the one-off performances are really difficult to pin down. So, and as you read the book, you'll, you'll see the first half of it is very um, organized because of the dates of the shows. But then the second half is a little bit more jumbled because I can't remember the specific dates and times, but I remember the stories. So I wanted to get it down while I had the time to do it. So lovely Kelly Reynolds helped me 
organize it because to write your own story is quite daunting I was and quite say difficult. that would be and I've not done it before so she was like I'll help you through it and we did we sat like this we chatted and for hours on end through the lockdown and it was so wonderful I think it actually was almost like a form of therapy getting me through the lockdown because mm-hmm. I just remembered mm-hmm. all these amazing things that I'd been part of mm-hmm. and to share it is is a, a mix of emotions I'm so excited about it because I think it's great to share the real honest side that people yes. don't see they don't see you know see the wikipedia bit or the bit we all post but the actual side along you know the backstage the the home bits the mm-hmm. when you're knackered doing h shows a week yes. with your voice this time when you're emotionally drained yes. i thought was important to share especially for like young aspiring talent and and just i think it i think it's um it's interesting for people to know that well and i also think that you know you're you're um, a mom of two you know, busy boys. And, and I think it's really great for people to see that it is really okay to have both. It is hard work, but I think again, for young aspiring, you know, actresses who do want both, it doesn't have to be an either or, you know, and there are fabulous women like yourselves who are, who are doing it. And flying the flag. Exactly. Or trying to at least <laughs> <laughs> well succeeding so how did you find out decide what to put in and what to leave out so I was pretty much all in there um I just went back to my earliest memory really of where I grew up what my family life was like and the thing about my story is there's no you know there's no scandal I'm not trying to like sell a story it literally is a, a, a it's a timeline of events and my my journey of how it all happened um which i thought was 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 the right thing to do um so yeah we we just we just went back to the beginning as far as i could remember and then you know just there's a lot about how i got into um singing and dancing and and Uh shows and all of that kind of stuff the difficult part for me uh was sharing the stories of other people and I got people like, like Brian obviously read it beforehand. Um, my brother read it. My uh, my dad read it. I sent it to my mum, but she didn't read it. She wanted to have it in her house, <laughs> which made me very nervous. But what was frightening was was sharing, although it's my my emotions, my thoughts, it's still their story as well. Yeah. So that was a little nerve-wracking. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I've just been as honest as I can. I don't think I've upset anybody. I did. I don't think I left anything out specifically. Um, right. But, you know, just just put down all the memories and all the now, stories and all the your your interviews with us are definitely mentioned, right? Of you know, course. The, yes. Oh, absolutely. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> now, Carrie, is there a favorite memory that you that really sticks out in your mind that you put in the book? Oh, there's so many. I mean, the first I, I've talked about this quite a lot, but there's the first the first bit of the book we talk about um my my performance in Verona um which which was special because it was so epic it was one of those those performances when I just I had to pinch myself and go wow if it all ends then I'm okay because I've had this experience Mm -hmm. that was pretty pretty magical but I think for the book, the more interesting ones are like the first show I did um, when I was about nine, which was The Wizard of Oz at my local theatre called the Wolsey Theatre. And 
just talking about that experience of being around other young people and in mm. enjoying being backstage and being part of a team. And then when you go on stage for your, you know, 30 seconds or whatever it is, when you're a kid, just loving every minute. And that's really what sparked it for me and what started off the career of me going, hang on a minute, I can actually get paid for doing a, shop, a, a job that I love. I mean, I took, I got that like 25 pounds a month or whatever it was, you know, but it was like, I love this and I, I want to get up and go and do this. And I don't care that I'm tired and I don't care that, um, you know, I'm there every day and I'm missing out on kids parties or whatever. That meant more to me. Yeah. And it still does today. It really still does. Mm. You mentioned Brian Brumay a little earlier in the interview. You folks have worked closely together with years. He's written the forward to your book. Um, how did you both first meet? Um, Brian actually came to see me. This is covered hugely, actually, because there's there's various stories out there of how we did meet, but I've actually got to put down the definitive... The truth. The truth, which was nice. <laughs> I was actually doing My Fair Lady and I was a swing in the show. And Brian came to see the show, not you know, not specifically to see anybody, but he came and I happened to be on for one of the roles, uh, the ensemble roles. I think I had a couple of lines or something, but he saw me then. And I think he was with Mike Dixon, um, who was the musical supervisor on We Will Rock You. And they, they kind of, he spotted me and sensed something and then found out that I was understudy to um, Martin McCutcheon and, and Eliza Doolittle. And he came back when I was on for the role and watched it again. And, um, and then asked me to audition for We Will Rock You. So, but I didn't actually know any of this until a lot, a lot kind of time passed. And when I went into the audition room for We Will Rock You, that was the very first time I met Brian singing his song for him in an audition. <laughs> oh, well, it went well. <laughs> well, it didn't go well. Exactly. It went well. Still joke because he did make me come back seven times. I had seven recalls for We Will Rock You, and I've never let him forget it because he says, "Oh, I knew the first time you came through the door." And I said, "Yeah, but you made me come back seven times." Well, he was wasting your time, then, wasn't he? You should claim back those bus fares. You should definitely, you exactly. definitely claim them back. <laughs> definitely, yeah, definitely. So we're coming up to Christmas, which is my yeah. favorite time of year, and um, also some of my favorite music, which will be playing one of your fabulous tracks after this interview. But is there anything you're gonna ask Father Christmas for this year? Well, uh, we are hoping with, you know, if Boris just, you know, keeps quiet for a little bit longer, we're hoping to get away. Um, we've had uh, that, many, that many family holidays and as everybody has canceled and yes. my husband um, works all hours as well and we just we haven't had that kind of family time so all I'm asking for, <laughs> I say all I'm asking for is that we just get to go on that holiday we, we fly on Christmas Eve and I just hope we get to go so that we can have that time where yes. we're not on our phones we're not contactable we're we're just as a family connected that that nucle nucleus family. We'll yeah. keep our, our fingers crossed fingers for you. Crossed I'm beginning to you, think, sweetie. Maureen, that, that Carrie only pops around every Christmas just so we play her song, actually. That's what I'm beginning <laughs> to think. You know. So next year, could we have a new Christmas song next year? Wait, a brand new one. Well, I might do a Christmas album, actually. <gasps> oh, I, there you go. You heard, you there we go. First. You Done. heard it here first. But for, for now, we'll, 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 we'll be playing One Beautiful Christmas that Carrie wrote with her friend Brian. Carrie Ellis, thank you so much for joining yeah. us. Happy holidays. Thank you so much. So lovely to see you. And oh. 
Christmas music and lyrics there by Kerry Ellis and Brian May. And Bumpkin to Broadway is published by Play Dead Press and distributed by Gazelle Books. It's available both online and bookshops. We also heard a little rumor from Carrie. It's actually not a rumor. I don't know why I'm saying that. Um, but that it is <laughs> Sounds available. Sounds more mysterious if you do all, say that. <laughs> I know. It does. Um, at all Waterstones. So we might be heading to Waterstones later on today with our festive fun day. Yeah. Who could that be at the door, Maureen? Oh my gosh. Oh, I don't know, but oh I'm, I'm gonna I'm answer the door. Oh my answer goodness. It. 
It, Happy holidays. It's me, Stephanie J. Block. You didn't I was get the say, Grinch today. You got the Christmas fairy. I'm in a great mood. Yay. I was going to say Tony <laughs> Award winning Stephanie J. Block. Oh, you know, no. West Broadway credits, just, including this Do you think it's just in my show. stocking right here? Boom, baby. <laughs> All said, Tony, Tony the mystery Ward. of Edwin Drood. Anything goes. Nine to five. Wicked. The Pirate Queen. Boy from Oz. And has also been on television in Madam Secretary, Orange is the New Black, Homeland and Rise. Stephanie, thank you so much for joining us. We are oh, so I'm... happy to have you with us. I am grateful to be here. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And Merry Christmas. And yeah, Merry Christmas. Yes. Merry Christmas. So you, you've just released a Christmas single, Oh Holy Night. I want to know, why has it taken you so long to record a Christmas song, please? Oh, first question with judgment. Um, <laughs> let's see. It has taken me a while. I'll be honest. And I'm very, very... Uh, grateful to all the fans who gave me a ludge, uh, you know, a loving nudge. Christmas music has kind of always been a part of every touchstone memory. I remember singing in the Christmas choir at my church. Um, I was in Disneyland Christmas Parade for many years. I was always working at a at a dinner theater or some sort of theatrical event that would celebrate the holidays. So it's kind of always just been buzzing and circling around me. So it's felt present. So maybe I just never felt the need mm -hmm. or the lack and therefore having to record. This year and a half, I have felt the need and the lack, and that's what <laughs> led me to the studio. You know, I, that connection yes. with the joys of Christmas and the memories of Christmas and being with loved ones. Um, and that got me to the studio. Now in full transparency, it was supposed to be an entire album, but uh, you get, as we say, the Christmas cracker. So the buffet <laughs> will come next year with the other 11 to 10 tracks. But this year was just the one track because as we all know, life has taken hold and yeah. um, you think you know exactly where everything is going. And two weeks later, you get derailed and you think, OK, well, we're just going to ride the wave. And but I must admit, I'm happy with the cracker. Oh, oh we're thrilled with this cracker. We are here for this cracker. Thank you. Okay. And how, Thank you. why did you choose Holy Night? How is that the first one that you how did you narrow it down? I narrowed it down because I did want the song to make an impactful punch. Um, this song for me has always been musically dynamic. It's always moved me and stirred me when I have heard it. And then this arrangement came to me and I thought, I've never heard the song presented in this way. It kind of starts in a very um, beautiful, acoustic, almost humble beginning. Mm -hmm. It still reaches the theatrical um, experience, which I always love to deliver and love to hear. But it takes some surprises along the way. You know, I, I've been lucky enough to sing A Holy Night with at Carnegie Hall with an 80 piece New York mm -hmm. Pops, uh. you know, orchestra. I've been lucky enough to do it with huge choirs and, you know, SATB arrangements. But there was something about this one where it just starts with that acoustic guitar and that first verse is just kind of singing the lyrics and making sure everybody hears what we're singing about, laying the groundwork. And then bam, baby, we hit some heights to, to give you the um, sort of holiday fireworks that I was hoping for. So this song, we thought it was going to be a package of three. But when it stood out on its own, I thought, no, 
it, it can be put out into the world and it can hold its own as a single mm. track. Such a tease as well. You know, the fact da, that da, the da, rest da, is da, coming da. next year. You know, and it, but it is six minutes in fairness. It's, it's a lot, a lot of Christmas joy. Yeah, that's a lot of music. She's an aria almost. <laughs> she is an aria almost. <laughs> so growing up, um, who was your biggest musical theater influence? Oh, my goodness. Well, I know it seems a bit cliche, but Judy Garland was my influence always. Mm -hmm. uh, she, to me, is a master storyteller. She, to me, is someone who is so ethereal but accessible. Mm -hmm. And so you watch this extraordinary performer and um, storyteller and you think... <gasps> I don't know how she's doing it, but somehow she makes me feel like I can do it too. So it started like with the MGM musicals with her and oh, Mickey Rooney. Mm -hmm. And so then good. of course, if we're gonna speak Christmas, it's meet me in St. Louis, oh. right? And have yourself mm -hmm. a merry little Christmas. Yeah. Which we, yeah, we love. Oh, all she has makes to me do cry is sit every time. Me too. And there's no performance there. It really is just kind of unzipping her skin and letting us into mm -hmm. Her, her soul. She sits there and barely blinks and we're all in the palm of her hand. Mm -hmm. So what, what that woman can wield and the talent, that's what kind of made me go, I don't know how she's doing it, but I want to learn how to do that. Mm -hmm. And it's really by just, I think, telling the truth or at least telling your truth through your art form. Oh, so good. Mm. Okay. So you have unbelievably, I, I don't even know how we're going to narrow this down. Your career has been incredible. You know, oh, I, I, I have been lucky enough to see you in falsettos and Paul and I got to see you in Cher and I got um, to see you in nine to five London, in LA. Yes. Oh, yeah, that's right. So it's just what, what is your career highlight been so far? Oh my goodness. You sorry, know, that's a that's a killer question, isn't it? it <laughs> that is. Sorry. It I is. mean, do you know why it's so difficult to answer? And I can only speak for myself, but each show is not different. just a show. Right. Yeah. It kind of is one of those um, magical touchstones of where you are in your life. And mm -hmm. so I look at falsettos and I think, wow, I wasn't on Broadway for two years. I've given birth. So that show attributes itself and aligns itself with me being a young mother and me starting back on Broadway again with this extraordinary cast. Cher is a point in my life where I thought, oh girl, you're getting old. You're hitting, you know, 46, 47. And here you are being offered to play a pop star on Broadway and you have to embrace yourself in a way that you never were asked to embrace, you know, every physical element of you and being comfortable in who you are. And it made me confront that. So every show brings something different and an excitement and a lesson and a, a turning point. Mm -hmm. So it's really hard for me to say. Um, I would hope that it, it's a whole bunch of moments that come together for longevity and endurance. And I hope to be doing this until I'm 70. So maybe the best moment is 70 um, hold is the, yet hold to come. Phone. Why, why stop at 70? 70 is the new 30. <laughs> why stop there, about? Stephanie? at 70. I don't know. That seems like a decent age to say, hey, I'm hanging up my knee brace, people. <laughs> so, you know, James Lapine would always tell me that too. When I'd ask him, was it Sunday in the park with George? Was it into the woods? Was it? And he'd say, I always have to look forward and say, whatever's next, I'm hoping yeah. is going to be mm. my most impressionable and special moment. So mm. I'll steal from the best. I'll steal from James Lapine and answer the question <laughs> that way. 
that's well, that was a good good way to answer. So um, you won a Tony Award for your um, performances, share in the share show. You also played Liza Minnelli in The Boy from Oz. Are there any other celebrity impressions that you can do? Oh boy, um, can I do? Well, I think if it was presented to me, I think I could give you a good Celine Dion because I think there are flavors Ooh. and tones in her voice that kind of already reside. Mm -hmm. in I, could, voice. I could see that. Yeah. So um, that's probably one I could emulate. Uh, I do. I have to thank my very first teacher and because I just wanted to belt and be Annie and be forte singing all the time, you know, just loud, 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 loud. And she really took this 11 year old little girl and said, look, it's about uh, breath. It's about sustaining. It's about health. And in doing that and training me sort of mm -hmm. really technically and classically, it's allowed mm -hmm. me to be much more malleable than I ever thought mm -hmm. my voice could be. And I'm happy to say that because of that, it has afforded me to play roles that I thought would never be quote unquote mine. And that's emulating real people mm -hmm. that have made such a huge impact by their singular sound. And it's not easy to, Liza was really difficult for me. Liza, I was able to find moments and certain vowel sounds and, you know, kind of the cry in her voice when she speaks. But looking back, I go, oh girl, that was not, you didn't hit the mark every single show and every single word and every single song. When I look back at Cher, I, I was afforded more time and thank goodness I, I did because when I look back at the presentation, again, it was a little um, hit and miss when it came to her sound, especially her speaking. I think I was much more uh, accurate with singing than her speaking. And I think that has a lot to do with being able to go on YouTube and literally parrot mm -hmm. or mimic her sound because you could hear all of her tunes right there. Yeah. But when you're looking at a a script written by Rick Ellis that are sentences that she didn't necessarily say, and you can't mm -hmm. just parrot it. It right. was hard to find that formula. So it took me about a year to get it. Wow. I'm sure you heard the story, but I literally was bleaching my teeth with crest white strips. And I was in Cape Cod rehearsing <laughs> a script and I'm going over all the lines just with different sounds and placing it in the back of my throat, like a cry or a sob. And that wasn't it. Placing it more forward in the mask. And that wasn't it. And then all of a sudden I'm bleaching my teeth with crest white strips. And I'm like, oh my God, Sonny, I don't understand how you, and my husband from the other room goes, I don't know what you're doing, but I think you found it. I think and I'm like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Sebastian, what are you talking about? I'm just reading the lines. He's like, no, no. For some reason, you sound exactly like Cher. I was like, oh my God, it's the crest white strips. And he was exactly right. The way I, the way I was pushing all of the air forward to my top gum and like the, the top teeth, that's where I found it. Oh my God, I just had to brilliant. learn how to do it. I just had to learn how to do it once I removed my Oral B cosmetic white strips. So. And they've oh heard my me gosh. tell that story. And believe it or not, I got two years supply of toothbrushes and uh, crest as you should toothpaste. Do. And <laughs> as you should do. <laughs> I love it. Well, that's how I found Cher. Crazy, right? Oh, We got so time for crazy. one more quick question, Maureen, I oh, think. Oh, of course. I'm one here. More. Oh, you know, because it's the holidays. What mm -hmm. are you most hopeful for this Christmas? Can I go on a real grand scale? Please oh, do. do it. We're here for it. 
my hope is for people not to give up on each other, even though we are thinking or believing in substantially different ways that we continue to come to the table and at least be open-hearted enough to listen as opposed to just wanting to respond and react. Um, so I think it's about listening. We may not come to that happy meeting place, but at least we'll be open to keep coming back to the table. We can't give up on each other. That's my hope. I love that. And well, listen. that's the best way to finish our chat. Stephanie J. Block, it is a thrill to have you back on Sunday Show Tunes. Can we ask maybe this time next year to talk about that Christmas album? Oh, I would be more than happy. We, will we, do we don't so. want we it to be, be another five years. You know? We'll be ready for the buffet. <laughs> That's right. On the 12th month of Christmas and one for each track. We can do that. <laughs> oh, it's such a pleasure chatting with you. And now we are going to play the track that, that we have been chatting about. This is Stephanie J. Block singing Oh, Holy Night. Oh, holy night. The stars are brightly shining. The night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appears and the soul felt its worth.
Stephanie J. Block singing Oh Holy Night. Oh my gosh, I absolutely love that. Oh Holy Night is available now from Club 44 Records. Head over to their website, club44records.com. Well, that's it for this episode. And indeed, this year, we'd like to say a huge thank you to all of our guests who've joined us this year, but especially Kerry Ellis, Stephanie J. Block, and Andrew Lipper, who joined us today. If you've enjoyed listening, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite listening platform. I'm Paul. And I'm Maureen. And you've been listening to the Sunday Show to holiday special podcast. Thanks for joining us. Merry Christmas. Bye.